Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. My name is Chloe, and I'm a senior at Web City. Before I begin, there are a couple of things you need to know about me. The first thing is that I'm not comfortable talking in front of people. I found that God likes to put me in situations where I have to do exactly what I said I'd never do. So when I said I never wanted to walk up on the stage again after dancing in front of everyone on 80s night, somehow I knew I'd end up right where I'm standing or sitting tonight. <laughs> but that's okay because I know it's God's hand that placed me here, so I'm putting all of my trust in him. The second thing you need to know about me is I haven't lived the average American life. Several of you may know a portion of my story, but not very many of you have heard the whole thing. So in order to tell you how I've lived out my faith through high school, I'll start at the beginning. I was born in Honduras because my parents were missionaries and church planners. So I was born into the mission field. But we only stayed there until I was two. Several years back, we went to visit our church there. It consisted of a lot of strangers running up to me, hugging me and kissing me, and telling me that they missed me. So I don't remember much about living there or even the people that were there. Um, But from there, my parents moved our family, which at that point was me and my two older brothers, to the United States. Other than my little brother being born, nothing significant happened for the next three or four years. But when I was five, my parents made a decision that has impacted my life in a huge way and will continue to impact me forever. They courageously and faithfully chose to answer God's call to move our family of, of six to San Jose, Costa Rica. So on August 10th, three days before my sixth birthday, we moved to the place that I'll always call home. When I tell people I lived in Costa Rica, the reaction is usually the same. At first they're really surprised, and then they attack me with questions. So I'm going to try and get some of those common common questions out of the way. We lived there for eight years. The language they speak is Spanish, and my whole family speaks it. Costa Rica is not an island, and it's not the same thing as Puerto Rico. Um... No, we did not live in huts made out of palm trees. No, we did not live on the beach. And yes, we had internet. Hopefully that helps, but if you have more questions, I love talking about Costa Rica, so you're welcome to ask me afterwards. Almost all of the big moments in my life so far have happened in Costa Rica. Um, My first day of school, the day I sat across from my dad on our daddy-daughter date and told him I wanted to give my life to Christ, and most importantly, the day I promised to live my life for Christ by getting baptized. My whole life was in Costa Rica, and I miss it every day. So as you can see, my life has been characterized by change. I've lived in three different countries, more than ten different houses, and I've said too many goodbyes to count. But as you may have guessed, the most difficult change in my life so far was moving to the United States. We moved back the summer before my freshman year, just over three years ago. I went from an eighth grade class of 12 students to a ninth grade class of over 300. I went from knowing every student in my school by name to not knowing a soul. That first day of school three years ago was my first day of public school, my first day of American school, and my first day of high school. But that's not really what made moving here so difficult. My life in Costa Rica was simple. I was young and it was easy to love God. There wasn't a day of the week that I wasn't involved in church or a Bible study or something along those lines. Not a day went by that I wasn't surrounded by people who loved Jesus. I really didn't face a ton of trials, so my faith wasn't tested very often. But that changed when I moved here. The hardest thing about being a missionary kid is that nowhere feels like home. I'm a TCK. You may or may not have heard of that, but it stands for third culture kid. It basically means that I've created a culture of my own. 
Mine is Costa Rican-American. Part of it comes from my parents' American influence and part of it comes from growing up in Costa Rica. Costa Rica was my home, but so much has changed since I left. When I went back to visit last summer, it didn't quite feel like home anymore. The United States never really was my home and it still isn't. I've always felt like a foreigner here. But what I've discovered is that that's okay. My identity isn't found in where I'm from or where I've been. It's found in who I belong to, which is Jesus. The same goes for you. We're all foreigners here on earth. Our identity is in Christ and our home is in heaven. Temptation and trials are easier when you have someone to share your burden with. What I found my first year back was that I didn't have a person to share those struggles with. I did have my family, um, but we each had unique struggles and dealt with them separately. At first, that was really frustrating for me, but looking back, I know that God was on a mission to strengthen my faith. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's incredible news. For me, it means that even though I had to leave my home and my church family and my school and all of my friends in Costa Rica, God came with me to Webb City, Missouri. And that's what I began to realize towards the end of my freshman year. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. I have no doubt that this is true because he's proved it to me time and time again. When I stopped trying to fit in and dress right in order to make friends and instead gave every fear and every struggle to him, amazing things happened. God began to reveal himself to me through the people that he placed in my life. Soon I joined a Bible study with five amazing girls and Hannah Randolph as our leader. It's incredible how much my life changed when I surrounded myself with Christ-like people. Hannah was someone I could tell anything to. She challenged me in my faith and she prayed for me. The same goes for each friend in that Bible study. Once Hannah moved to another church, Sarah Hill became my person. Sarah is someone I can always go to if I need prayer or advice. The point is, you need to find your person, an adult. Godly friends are super important and you should make a point to surround yourself with them. But the truth is, when it comes down to it, you need someone who has been there, done that, and can offer godly wisdom from life experience. I'm telling you my life story in a matter of minutes, but my struggle in faith was not quickly resolved. It was several months before Hannah or any other leader became a part of my life. During those months, I would cry myself to sleep because I felt lonely and purposeless. I would cry out to God in anger, asking him how he could do this to me. Why would he take me away from my happy life? Why would he put me in a position where it was hard to love him? I didn't figure out the answer to these questions the minute I asked them. It took time and continuous prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say to rejoice when you feel like it, pray when you need a favor from God, and give thanks when you feel like life is going well. It says always, without ceasing, and in all circumstances. I began to see what that looked like in everyday life. I talked to God because sometimes I literally had no one else to talk to. I was really lonely. I talked to him about anything that was on my mind, anything I was struggling with, anything I was thankful for, big or small. Ultimately, I found peace and refuge and purpose in him. This has now become a wonderful habit that I hope lasts forever. I talk to God all the time. I ask for patience a lot when I'm at school, pretty much every day. But as I went through weeks like this, talking to God, one verse came to mind that's been encouraging to me ever since. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, and it says, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What this means to me is that being weak is okay. Feeling lonely is okay. Being insulted is okay. In fact, it seems to me that these things are essential in order to truly experience the fullness of God's incredible power and his love for us. This is what's gotten me through high school. Yes, I've struggled, but time has taught me that true and complete healing happens only through Christ, and when we acknowledge our weakness and surrender every burden fully and only to Christ, his strength and power become ours. I want to leave you with three very important challenges. Before I give them to you, I want you to know that I'm not giving these as follow my example challenges. These are things that I'm working on in my own life, and I invite you to join me. First of all, pray about everything. Matthew 26, 5 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We can't beat the devil without God on our side. It's impossible because we are weak. But what's impossible for man is simple for God. Ask for his help. There are countless places in scripture where we see Jesus going to a secluded place to pray. I challenge you to follow his example. Second, be in the word. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God left us the Bible for a reason and it's crazy that we forget about it so easily. These are the words of the living God. I challenge you to begin reading scripture regularly. Lastly, I encourage you to surround yourself with godly people, starting with an adult leader. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Like I said before, adult leaders can provide unique advice and wisdom that comes from things they've learned firsthand. I can't stress enough how important and helpful that is. Also surround yourself with Christ-like friends. This doesn't mean that you can't be with non-Christians. We're called to be a light to those people, but it's important to have a core group of Christian friends that will back you up, hold you accountable, and pray for you. Each of these things have strengthened my faith in God and helped me to better understand his love for me. If it weren't for this move back to the U.S., my faith would be the same as it was in Costa Rica. It was there, but it wasn't fully my own. Now I know that my identity is in Christ and my home is with him. So is yours. Because of all these things, I've been able to live out my faith through high school. I encourage you to pray about your faith and to make it your own. And never forget, do not be discouraged when difficulties come, for when you are weak, then he is strong. Thank you. Hey, guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kale Turpin, and I'm a senior, like they said. Uh, I'm on the swim team, and I do a lot of other cool stuff. Um, first of all, I'm in India. I'm going to need a volunteer. Let's go. Who's up? You. I saw your hand first. Get up here. Let's go. So, <clears throat> we're doing this because it's about to get boring. So, I'm going to pull on my phone, and hopefully I don't open up to my text messages. I did. Okay. You, sir. What's your name? I'm sorry? B-R-E-T-T spade eight eight R P E R. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. Nice to meet you. First of all, I'm going to ask you to do something pretty goofy. I need you to spin around a little bit, like until I tell you to stop. Not too fast, because you get dizzy really fast. Okay. So, I'm going to give you my testimony, okay? And uh, it's going to be pretty cool, okay? You guys... Don't fall asleep. This is why I'm doing this. I'm also going to need all of you to stand up really quick, just for a second, okay? Thank you. Okay, 
Now I need you to jump up and down three times, like like stomp your feet, like. Okay. Okay. None of you did that. Do it again. Let's go. Come on. I'm not having you check out on me while I talk. Jump. Let's go. Did you all jump? All right. Thank you, sir. Hey. Hey. Thank you. All right. You can go sit down. Now. Thank you. That was good, right? Hey. Thanks, guys. Just had to have some fun. So uh, I might swing my arm around a lot while I talk. So if my flashlight turns on like that, uh, just tell me. So because my phone's better than yours. So uh, my testimony, it starts before I was born, all right? Uh, my family was pretty rough to start out with before I came around. Okay. <laughs> uh, there were some drugs involved. There was alcohol. And uh, there, was, there was some stuff that went on, okay? It was rough. It was bad. Uh, I don't know my biological dad, like, you know, the guy who made me. Like, I'm half adopted, so... Like, my mom's my real mom. She's back there. But my dad, Mark, the, you know, the Korean one, he adopted me. So that's cool. Uh, and uh, if you count up all my siblings, I've got ten in all. They're all younger than me. I'm the oldest. It's really great. Uh, it might sound like a mess. You know, I've got a really big family. I've got step-dad, step-mom, step-grandparents, step-brothers, step-sisters. But uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a big mess. You might think so anyway. I don't think so. It's kind of a mess. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't really understand all that until I was about five years old, whenever my parents split up. Okay, I was in preschool. I remember I went to Ready, Set, Grow. I'm sure some of you, I know somebody, you got me. Ready, Set, Grow, I remember Miss Pam's room. I was five years old. There was the assistant teacher, Miss Kim, which is hilarious, because that's my mom's name, all right? That's funny. Laugh. Okay, it's Okay. <laughs> Uh, I remember there was, okay, you come in the room, there's this plastic picnic table over here, and then there's glass sliding doors out to the playground, because we had those. I remember sitting down one day with Miss Kim while everyone else was singing in a circle, and I was crying because I I was just letting everything out to Miss Kim, because she had my mom's name, right? She, uh, I talked to her about how my, my dad stayed at the house. My mom moved into an apartment. My sister and I are having to share a bedroom with a bunk bed, which I will admit was cool at first, but not after a while. Bunk beds suck. <laughs> Don't let anyone fool you. Uh, and I was crying to her. It sucked. And I was telling her about my parents. It, it, it sucked. It sucked a lot. Uh, and I remember my sister and I, again, at my dad's house this time, we... Uh, had this big green chair, and he was sitting in it, and we climbed up into his lap because we were tiny, and uh, we, the three of us sat there and cried together. It was, it was really painful, you know, a lot of it sucked for a long time, and a lot of, a long time I had to live with that, and then my grandparents moved in, and it, it turned into a bigger mess. Uh, and it sucks. And, you know, I'm not the only one who's done that. You know, I'm definitely not the roughest story in this building. I'm sure one of you guys, or several of you guys, have experienced this, are experiencing this, or you're sitting next to someone who's experiencing this. And, you know, you should talk to them about that. You know, be a good friend. Keep their confidence. Let them talk to you about it. Because it sucks. Uh, 
So I'm going to tell you about another thing right now. As years have gone by, my family keeps getting bigger. That's how I found out. Whenever I was 11, I found out I had other siblings that lived down in Yosho, so that's awesome. And there's two more down there now. So 10 siblings, again, 10. Uh, my mom remarried. My dad, well, you know, at my dad's house, we have more family living there now, stepbrothers and a sister. And it's awesome. And I do not, I'm not sad about that at all. My parents splitting up. It's not bad now, you know. I have more family. I have more people to love on. You know, I've got grandparents that I live with that I get to love on. And I've got people that live with me that love me more than I, I don't have the capacity to understand how much they all love me. And it's great. I remember or my favorite thing in the world is coming to my dad's house, c- coming in through the garage, going to my room and throwing my stuff in my room because there's no time to be tidy running up the spiral staircase, jumping over the baby gate that we keep for dogs, hoping I don't trip and die. And I see my little brother across the room, Justice, one of them, one of the four. Uh, And he looks up, and before he had his glasses that were always crooked, no matter what, and he goes, Hey, Awesome Kale, because that's my real name, just so you know. My real name is Awesome Kale Logan Turpin. And he comes up to me and gives me a big hug. Is the best feeling in the world. And I wouldn't have that if my parents hadn't split up, which is weird, but I like it. <laughs> so what I'm trying to get at is that you're, it doesn't matter if your family's a mess, because my family is a huge mess, and that's all right. That's exactly how I want it to be. I'm okay with it. And that's exactly the way God intended it to be. So don't be upset about it. Or you can be for a little bit, but you should get over it. <laughs> Sorry, that was probably rude. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and they all love me. I've got a huge family, a huge mess, but it's full of love. So it evens itself out. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, my family, I told you, before I came around, it was a huge mess, bigger than it is now. It was rough. But that doesn't define you, okay? The past does not define you, because Jesus does. He has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. You know, you may be thinking, oh, my family sucks. Everybody sucks. I have this good excuse to be lazy and not care, and I have this good excuse to be angry at everything and everyone. But uh, God has a plan for you. My, my family, God has a plan for all of my family, all of them. I don't know how many there are. There's a lot. He has a plan for all of us, and we're still living that out today. We're not done. He's not finished with us, and the same goes for you. He's not done with you. And your situation may or may not suck, okay? But, uh, He's not just giving you the short end of the stick. If it sucks, it's not just God saying, yeah, I don't like this guy. You shouldn't have been born because he's, he's known you since before you were even thought of, before your mom or dad was thought of. He's tempering you and training you through the trials, okay? So in the midst of the trials, focus on who he is 
Focus on your faith and his unimaginable power, all right? Um, I'd like to take this time to give a shout-out to my favorite songs, okay? Uh, Beautiful Things by Gungor, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, and also God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman. It's courtesy of VeggieTales. It's a good one. Look it up. Uh, Beautiful Things, it asks if... uh, It says, can all that is lost ever be found, you know? And uh, Jesus already found it. The things that you've lost, the things that you think you never were born with, he's got it. And if you find him, then you'll find those missing things. He, Jesus decided to love you and die for you. Okay? Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And uh, Beautiful Things also says that he, it, God, hopefully you deduce that from the song, he, uh, he makes beautiful things out of dust and out of us because that rhymes. Uh, he can do that. He can do it with the most ugly things in this world. He can make beautiful, beautiful things. He has a power. All right. So thanks for letting me ramble on a little while. Thanks for letting me talk. Let that fester for a while. Hey, guys. I'm Brooke Montgomery. I'm a senior at Webb City High School. Um, I'm going to get a little testimony tonight. So, um, uh, Adam asked me, when he approached us to ask if we would speak tonight, he asked us to tell how we've lived out our faith in our life and through high school. So, it's going to be a little bit of that. Um, When it comes to living out my faith in high school, one could glance at my life and say that I've done quite a bit. I'm involved in almost every school club there is, including the ones that being a Christian means having the opinion of a minority. I'm a volunteer for the church. I praise him here every other week on stage, and I've gone to this church for 16 years now. I've been on the missions trip to the Dominican Republic in which I was able to find myself in one of the darkest places you could have ever imagined. It's incredible that you see Jesus shining brightest in a place that everyone says is so desolate. I try to love people despite anything, to show grace at all times. I haven't gone to parties. I've made good grades. I've been strong in my faith, and I am now, and I'm growing in him each and every day. But that hasn't always been the case. I've done virtually everything right on the outside, but that was just it. I was fine and dandy on the outside while my heart and personality were rotting on the inside. For me, it wasn't one dramatic turn of events. It was a domino effect, and with each domino that fell, the further and further down I went, I am going to be blunt about all of this. Some of this I haven't told to many people. There's no point in sugarcoating it anymore, so here's me. It began my freshman year when the group of girls I had once been close to for many years made the decision to begin excluding me from the activities they participated in, and they left me out of our friendship. The more they excluded me, the harder I tried to be with them, the harder I tried to be them. It was the beginning of the process of losing myself. That summer, I didn't have many friends to be around, so I sat at home wondering what I had done wrong, wondering what I could do better the next time around, and I fell into a shallow rut. The school year started, and I was now a sophomore. I wasn't in the most positive state of mind, per se, and I decided to channel... um, I decided to channel all of my sadness into my schoolwork and into a relationship. 
I worked my butt off that year, and I put immense amounts of pressure on myself, yet all it resulted in was stress and sleepless nights and crying out to God saying, where are you? Why am I feeling so overwhelmed? Why does my soul feel so downcast? I knew that he was there, but I didn't feel that he was evident. That year, I got the lowest grade I've ever gotten on the report card. Granted, it was only an A-, minus, but I still feel like I failed myself. Later on that year, I began a relationship with a boy, and all of a sudden, my spirits were lively again, and I began feeling happy. It was something I hadn't felt in so long, so surely I believed this was God's plan. Surely I found someone who's going to make me a better person and make me happy again. This domino was perhaps the largest contributor to losing myself. In the beginning of our relationship, um, I experienced a loss of someone who I was extremely close to, and the boy helped me through it. Uh, it was a very dark time in my life. I was mad at God. I was like, why would you let this happen to someone that I admire, someone I've looked up to and someone I'm so close to? I knew there was a reason, but I still held doubts, and I still struggle with why. The relationship with that boy lasted quite a while, and I did feel joy again. I did feel worth again, but something was missing, and I could never quite put my finger on it. He made the relationship seem like it was from God, so why did it feel so ultimately wrong? When this relationship exploded unexpectedly in front of my eyes, I was left sitting in the ashes of myself, looking back, saying, where am I? Who am I? That month with Autumn, I was the closest to God I had been ever at that point in my life. I decided that I couldn't find my worth in things that simply wouldn't last. And then he decided to pop back into my life. And I was on a spiritual high, so I thought, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. I just need to find God again. All's good. And boy, was I ever wrong. Uh, over the course of the next months, I was deceitful to my family. I lied to my parents and my friends and continued a relationship they didn't approve of. And because the boy wasn't physically here, I fell ever so down. And again, I stumbled into the pit of sadness I had once enveloped myself in. He lied to me, and yet I still cared for him and said, It's okay. You see, evil, di evil didn't force its way through my door. I let evil in when he knocked. I welcomed it like I could fix the problem myself once it was in the comfort of my own spirit. In April of my junior year... Everything I'd done came back and slapped me in the face. He stopped talking to me, and I found out that over the course of our year-and-a-half relationship, he had been choosing quantity over quality. This destroyed me, and I felt of no worth. I wondered once again, what had I done? What could I have done better to stop that from happening? I explored the things that I could do to try and get him back. I tried anger. I tried sadness. I tried jealousy. Maybe it was the way I looked. Maybe I wasn't pretty enough. After all, the other girl was thinner. So I struggled with myself in it for so long anyway, so I figured it was time to make a change and gradually stopped eating. And when I did, I'd binge and then try to make food have a reappearance. I was destroyed on the inside, so I might as well make myself look pretty on the outside. Ladies, don't ever let a man's opinion of you define your beauty. Don't ever let yourself compromise your outer self because all it does is destroy you within. All this time I'd spent to myself, I sat there wondering, where, where are you, God? Why aren't you helping me? I was wondering if I was too far gone for help. I felt worthless. I felt disgusting. You see, giving your 
Giving your everything to another person is only granting yourself temporary happiness, temporary contentment, but giving your everything is the only one that is truly going to love you despite all of your shambles means gaining an everlasting life of real joy. I kept it all in for over a year. I was so ashamed of myself and how I felt. I told myself, you're not deserving of another's love. Let this be your punishment. Jesus, only you can love something that's broken itself down into shambles. It was the night it moved that we threw the mass into the fire. That's what it took for me to truly break down and tell someone, I can't do this anymore. I am alone and I'm broken. My vulnerability led me to an ultimate peace and feeling God standing there next to me saying, Isaiah 41, 13, I, your God, have a firm grip on you and I'm not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. He'd always been there. I just refused to see it. And after I confessed my brokenness, I began seeing him work in my life. I lost myself. I lost my identity in God. On the outside, I tried to make it all seem perfect. Instead of finding my identity in Jesus, I found it in another person. And as much as I could wish I could go back and turn it around, I can't. But without it all, I wouldn't have learned the value of truly letting everything go and truly laying everything down at his feet. There's, there's this piece of art called kintsugiri. Um, it's an ancient type of art. What it is, is taking bits of broken pieces, bits of pottery, bits of china, and putting them back together and melting it with gold. And it's basically showing that even something that's broken can be made beautiful again. You are never never too far broken. You are never too far gone. If you are sitting here tonight and you are saying, I can't do this anymore, go talk to someone. It's going to be okay. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Guys, how incredible is it that we love a God who loves us unconditionally? that we love a God that will forgive us when we repent and we confess and say, I can't do this anymore. High school's been rough. There's no lie to that. There's been times when I have been on top of the world and times when I felt like I was in the deepest of the seas. But the amazing thing is he's been there the entire time and he's never going anywhere. And... I want to go into ministry someday because building my own kingdom, building my own resume, that's not going to last. But building his, there's so much beauty in seeing someone see the true love of Christ. God, guys, if I, could, if I could tell you one thing that I regret not doing in high school is bringing people to church, actually telling people of my faith, not just sitting back when people talk about just letting everything go. Invite people. The scariest thing to me is not having my best friend by my side when I walk through the gates of heaven. Not letting them see the love that we experience. I've been broken and I've been made new. There's nothing more beautiful than that.
Jesus is writing a masterpiece, and that is your story. And that story, whether you proclaim Jesus as Lord or not, is going to point to one thing, and that is the glory of God. That is a beautiful thing, and it's a broken thing, it's a messy thing. But in all of that, that is our life, that is our story, and every one of us possesses a story to be told, a story that points beyond us. And we heard it tonight, guys. We all have a story to tell. Are you going to be the one that steps up and tells your story? Are you going to be the one that proclaims your story from the rooftops? That's going to be a light to the world. That's going to be salt. The reality is, we may choose that or not. But the truth of the matter is, that God will get the glory no matter what. And so we praise God for the fact that we get to experience his goodness and his grace and his mercy, even in the darkest of times. Something that's been a truth that has been really speaking to me this week is the fact that God separated the darkness and the light. That in the midst of darkness, there is light. And in the midst of light, there is darkness. And the truth is, in the midst of both, we learn about the goodness of God. So I don't know where you are tonight, but I know this. You have a story to be told. Tell your story. We're going to dismiss to connection groups where you get a chance to do that. You get a chance to talk to leaders that care deeply about you. They want to point you to Jesus. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, you are good and you're faithful. Your grace goes before us and compels us to come running into your arms. God, I pray for those that are in the room that are going through valleys and darkness, I pray that they would have a chance to speak out and tell their story of where they are. I pray for those that are embracing the light that you've shown in their lives and are just on the top of the mountain. God, I pray that they would be an encouragement to those around them and that we would just see your face, see your glory. God, we praise you for this place that we can come and be the church, that together with one voice we can proclaim that you are good, and that your love lasts forever. God, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus, who died for us, defeated death, and rose again to give us new life. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.